Welcome to Public Safety Talk Radio, the podcast for all of our heroes in public safety, including law enforcement professionals, firefighters, EMTs, corrections officers, healthcare workers, and more. The show is produced by the POCUA and is founded upon its soundness initiative. This episode is sponsored by the Finest Service Organization, a provider of line of duty death loan protection through many of our POCUA institutions. I am Ken Bader, your host for Public Safety Talk Radio, and I have a really intriguing guest, a, a law enforcement professional and the chief operating officer of First Help, uh, who we have not had on here before. His name is Steve Huff. Did I get that right, by the way? You know, I didn't even freaking ask you beforehand. Steve Huff. So we have Steve Huff, the Chief Operating Officer of First Health. He is a 20-year veteran of Okaloosa County Sheriff's Office. Uh, during his time with the Sheriff's Office, Stephen spent seven years assigned to a task force uh, here for the U.S. Marshals Violent Fugitive Task Force based in Pensacola, Florida. Uh, while serving a warrant with the task force, Stephen was shot numerous times, including once in the face, and he was awarded the Congressional Badge Bayberry uh, it bravery, excuse me, and the United States Marshal's Purple Heart. Um, I can go on, but you know, hey, I'm not even going to ask you about first help. Let's get to that shooting, man. You know, well, first, right welcome on. to the show. <laughs> and for somebody that got shot in the face, you're looking very handsome. So, well, what happened well, there, man? <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of funny you say that. Uh, I did a uh, interview like 10 months after the shooting. I was like, hey, man, you can't fix ugly. It's just still there. It's just going to be there, right? So. Uh, the bottom line was we were we were hunting a bad guy. He came out with the uh, long or the short of it. He came out with two guns, started blazing like Butch Cassidy, and mm. uh, uh, thankfully I was able to put a round into him that that put him down. And but not before he, I took a round. Uh, you can kind of see just a little bit right here. Mm. Uh, ricocheted off the rifle, went up into the face and shattered yeah. the skull and all that. Took a couple rounds in the leg, but hey, I'm here. So like yeah. they always say, right? Did you die? Nope sure didn't so uh, you know and that's that's kind of what got the ball rolling for for the organization yeah. is that story because man afterwards it was it was a difficult time uh for me difficult time with the agency uh the agency prior to me had just lost three officers to a shooting uh to various shootings over the last couple of years before mine so uh they were pretty good at burying officers just not good at uh, yeah. They weren't prepared to to take care of those officers in need after an event like that. So, um, but uh, longer the short of it, uh, like thirty surgeries, thirty procedures. Mm. Uh, was out of work for a year. Uh, managed to go back to work, right back into another warrant sweep. So that worked out really well. Uh, that was a good back time. on the horse. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that was a good time. That's what I needed. I needed to get back on that horse, right? So. Uh, it worked out well. I have since uh, finished my law enforcement career. Uh, July 1st was my last day. I retired. Nice. So uh, hence the nice uh, goatee growing out here. That's obviously not regulation. But, uh, <laughs> uh, and, and now I get to spend my time uh, advocating for officers and first responders. And uh, uh, I have taken on the role of uh, chief operating officer and also doing a little bit of trying to do a little bit of fundraising for the organization yeah. as well. So yeah, for somebody that has a somewhat similar look, the stuff could see. I gotta shave this sucker down, you know, this goatee. You know, the stuff get caught in the end of that. You know, can you eat pizza and chili? Uh, no, no. My wife, my wife is all the time. She's like, 
she's like, Hey, you got a little something there. So <laughs> I was like, thank you, babe. You know, I'm yeah. getting cleaned out. So I'm sure I'll get tired of it, but after 26 years, something like that, not being able to grow anything out, I'm like, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's happening. That's yeah. Happening. Yeah. Maybe we'll, we'll talk to you in a year and see if you still have that sucker, but uh, right, right on. Yeah. But you know, here's the real important question. Do chicks dig scars since you, you got the little scar on the side there? Uh, my wife digs scars. There you go. Yeah, See, yeah. at least they didn't. At least they didn't get yeah. you in the top of the head. They might have, you know, messed with you know your hairline. That that's right. They could have. So <laughs> they could have given me a permanent part. Yeah. So uh, so uh, that is good. But uh, but yeah, I uh, uh, I can tell you the missus is kind of tired of hearing about it because when she asked me why I didn't mow the lawn, I was like, ah, you know, sorry, I got shot in the face, you know, that kind of thing. So. <laughs> I mean, you know, you, I, I, I agree. You know, you got to play that card. I, I got a buddy of mine that almost died. Fortunately, he wasn't shot. He had a medical issue. And I said, when your kids, you know, talk back at you, do you ever say, you know, hey, I almost died? He's like, no, nah, I don't do this. Like, yeah, you got to play that card. Yeah, that's uh, it. <laughs> But anyway, for, for those folks that are on the audio and not on the video, you know, Steve is one of my bald brothers with a similar look. He's a very handsome man. Uh, but to get back into serious mode, which I don't like to be in too often, um, let's go back to First Health. You're the yep. COO. Um, you talked a little bit about how you got involved. For those folks in our audience that may not be familiar with First Health, you know, tell us about exactly what the mission is of that organization. Absolutely. So I'd be remiss in stating it didn't start as First Health. It really mm -hmm. started out as Blue Help. Um, right. The mission came about, um, basically, uh, there's three of us. There's Karen Solomon, uh, Jeff McGill, and I. Uh, Karen was writing books about law enforcement and their struggles uh, uh, through through various times in their careers and whatnot. And she came across our story uh, through, I think, my sister-in-law at that time. And uh, she put our story in the book. And then her and Jeff uh, went on to write uh, The Price They Pay, went on to write another book together. And then we started getting together and going, you know, maybe we can do something uh, to assist uh, the, these law enforcement officers at that time, law enforcement officers that, you know, are in need of, of assistance. Um, it's, it's kind of one of those things that is not talked about much. Uh, as you know, as, as I'm sure you've talked with other officers, you know, mm -hmm. when you, uh, when you have a bad day, you just kind of compartmentalize it, you put it away and you go about your business. And sooner or later that gets a little heavy to deal with. So uh, a couple years in, we decided, hey, we need to start tracking uh, suicide data on law enforcement officers because nobody was doing it. Mm -hmm. So uh, 2015, 2016, the organization was actually became a nonprofit. Uh, we have since collected, uh, I think we're up into the 1700s now, 1800s, as far as names of officers who have committed suicide. We've also adopted uh, all first responders, so firefighters, EMTs, paramedics, corrections, and uh, and our communications officers. So with that, with those, and we expanded out to four different groups, and then we went, hey, we need to kind of consolidate this into one entity, and that's where First Help was born. Yeah. And with First Help is like the umbrella organization that houses uh, blue, gold, red, and white. Uh, for all of our for all of our first responders 
Yeah, it reminds me um, we we had the pleasure of having Chris Luttrell on uh, a few weeks ago, who um, is uh, running the podcast Two Feet on the Ground with uh, with his wife, Jamie. And he said something very poignant about PTSD and you know how some of these things catch up with you is, you know, I think in truth be told, I've never been an officer, so I can't completely understand, although I'm obviously sympathetic to the to the issue. But you know, as he put it in talking to somebody that helped him, you're, it's you have a normal response to seeing things that aren't normal. Yeah, I mean, you know, I may see, you know, one terrible thing in my lifetime, you know, some first responders may see that one terrible thing once a week, depending on the city or region that they're they're working in. Um, yeah, so, you know, I, I understand the idea of or the unfortunate task of keeping these things down and then it, it comes out in ways that you really don't want them to. Um, you know, digging into to the numbers, uh, which are probably unfortunate, yeah, are you seeing the numbers rise or go down over the last few years in terms of first responder suicides? So what we're seeing is the numbers are staying usually uh, pretty consistent in, in what, um, so let me clarify that though. Um, one of the things, the way that we come about this information is number one, we do data scraping. Uh, mm -hmm. through Google. Uh, families will report, sometimes agencies will report, um, and then just sometimes word of mouth, hey, just so you're aware, this this just happened. So uh, those numbers are normally uh, pretty consistent between 165 and 180, 195. Um, in 2019, we had a pretty good spike. We received, I think we're up to 235, 240, um, and of course, those numbers are fluid because sometimes people are just not comfortable reporting that information. They want time mm -hmm. to heal. They want time to process. And then when they do, that's when they come back two or three or four or five years later and go, hey, I want to report this uh, suicide. So uh, those numbers are staying fairly within within a certain range. I'll put it that way, just to mm -hmm. be on the safe side with that. But um I can tell you that the advocacy and the uh, and the agencies and the individuals, officers who are starting to uh, change that mindset, kind mm -hmm. of start to understand. Okay, look, they're onto something here. We need to uh, we need to refocus and, and understand what's going on. And it's just like you just said, uh, or Mr. Luttrell said. Hey, it is it is a normal response. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's the loss of a loved one. Let's say you lost a loved one, uh, or I responded to a uh, a call where a baby was deceased. So uh, the ma the manifestation of stress is going to be there, regardless mm -hmm. of how we uh, how we internalize it, how we do anything with it. The important thing is is just to remember to deal with it, mm -hmm. and and push forward with it. Um, that does that mean you need to go talk to your sheriff and go, man, I'm having a problem with this? No, but it does mean maybe you need to go car to car with your buddy and go, dude, uh, you know, I got some nightmares going on from that last call we had. You know, we do training uh, as well uh, through mm -hmm. First Help, thanks to uh, FirstNet with AT&T. Uh, we literally do this training. We give them a spreadsheet or we give them a sheet that says, hey, check sometimes or always or never if you've ever mm -hmm. answered any of these calls. 
you know, and of course the calls are traffic crash with uh, a fatality, domestic violence, everything that officers do. So uh, then we have them swap those papers around, take a look at them. And everybody realizes, you know, hey, we're all dealing with the same stuff. And I tell them, what do you, what do you call that? You call it Tuesday night is what you call it, because that's what it is. We deal with this on a, if not a daily basis, as you said, a weekly basis. And it's important to understand that some of those things just wash off. You know, mm -hmm. we can deal with that, uh, the, the human mind and, and the way the body responds. We can take care of some of that through proper sleep techniques, through uh, other grounding techniques, those kinds of things, and they just go away. But those things, there's other things that stick with us. Mm -hmm. Those things that, you know, we just can't shake for whatever reason. And those are the ones we need to be careful of. And those are the ones we need to work on and, and understand, look, this is normal, but there's ways to deal with it. Now a word from one of the POCUA's proud business partners, OfficerPrivacy.com. OfficerPrivacy.com was founded by Pete James, a law enforcement professional with over 25 years of experience. Pete wanted to find a way to help law enforcement officers protect themselves and their families. So he formed a team to create a way to quickly identify and remove their information from certain sites. OfficerPrivacy.com is the result. This service is already offered through a select few of our POCUA organizations. As a listener of Public Safety Talk Radio, you can take advantage of a special offer from OfficerPrivacy.com. Go to OfficerPrivacy.com slash POCUA, and when you sign up, you'll get two additional bonuses. In addition to removing your personal information from the top 30 people search sites, they will give you your first two months of monitoring free. This is a value of $39.98. In addition to that, you'll receive a cell phone privacy device, a 1999 value. This prevents data from leaving your cell phone when you use public charging stations and is a must when traveling. So go to officerprivacy.com slash POCUA today to take advantage of this offer and to protect your privacy. Organizations who are members of the POCUA and are interested in offering the service directly to their members, contact us at POCUA at btcinc.org. Yeah, maybe maybe I'm naive, but my my hope would be that there's a lot more awareness. Now I realize that some departments are different than others. Um, but for instance, right here where I live in Long Beach, California, there was a new police chief and I happened to be on the community Zoom for that. And one of the first things that he talked about was officer wellness and looking for these things. And it, it, it did my heart good to hear that at least he's talking about it. My hope is it's not just lip service, that there's something right. behind that. But my point is, is that I'm seeing more and more of that. You know, whether it's the focus in a department um, or a lot of great organizations like yourselves that are just say, you know, reach out to somebody um, because it's all right to say I'm not OK. But as I've said probably a dozen times on this show, if you admit you're not OK, you need to do something about it. Maybe maybe it's just calling a hotline. Maybe that's the first start. Absolutely. But, you know. In terms of, and I think it's an important note to make, 
I think a lot of first responders, especially police officers, and I understand, especially in this time, the weight that's on these folks, uh, but they think, all right, suicide is an easy way out. Some even think that suicide is a way to take care of my family. Uh, but they don't realize the financial implications. I mean, just, you know, point blank, blank, black and white. You know, the sponsor of our show, the Killed Line of Duty insurance is killed in line of duty. It's not, right. hey, you know, I went to the garage and took care of myself and I'm going to pay out your family. Yeah. Many times you, know, you think you're, you're helping yourself and your family, but your family is much worse off even financially, not to mention, you know, emotionally after this happens, you know, is there some of that, you know, beginning to, to seep through to, to the officers? Yes. Yeah, so oh, I think what you're really seeing here is you're yeah. seeing a number of things happening all at one time. Uh, it's, it's really kind of a perfect storm, if you will. Uh, your, uh, your new chief that came in, uh, I, don't, I don't know who he is. If I had to guess, he may be a little bit younger guy. And what we're what we're seeing is, um, and I I say this all the time whenever I get a chance to talk. You know, we always hear how change has to come from the top down. Mm-hmm. Well, in this instance, I think change needs to come from the top down, but it also needs to come from the bottom up, right? And what we're seeing is we're seeing that cultural change. We're seeing uh, the old guard, me, uh, retiring, pushing out of the way, and these younger officers coming in with a different mindset. They are more in tune with themselves. They're more mm-hmm. in tune with being able to discuss uh, those issues that they may be having, whether it be at work, whether it be at home, whether it be financial, whatever the case may be. Uh, one of the biggest problems that we see, and and you kind of alluded to this, was uh, the first step to take is to go, hey, look, guys, I'm not okay. And that's the hardest step to take. Yeah. Uh, we do, uh, we kicked off this year, we did some uh, mission ready retreats where we brought in officers, uh, other first responders, we've had firefighters, chiefs of police, sheriffs there, we've had the whole nine yards. Um, and the the amazing transformation that takes place when we get them in a secluded area, and they are comfortable enough with the group with the, with their tribe, to mm-hmm. be able to sit there and go, hey, I got a problem, this is what I got going on, and then the floodgates open. Um, and that really is is the key. And we're seeing that change uh, through the awareness of, of programs such as what we offer. We're seeing it through these officers who are just more in tune with themselves and these younger guys that are getting promoted into supervisory positions mm-hmm. maintain that that mindset, that lifestyle. So uh, there's a bunch of things going on there at one time that's really, really uh, pushing this uh, initiative forward. Yeah, yeah, I I see it as well vicariously, primarily through talking to experts like yourself. Um, you know, there's a lot of work to Careful. do until we until we get to zero suicides. You know, among first responders, you know, every year, uh, we'd like to put you out of a job, but uh, that right. doesn't seem right. like that's happening <laughs> uh, well, anytime I- soon. No, uh, unfortunately, and and let's face the facts that you know I tell I tell these guys all the time. Uh, I talk to a bunch of folks, talk to academy students. I'm like, man, it's the greatest show on earth. You'll see things that you've never seen before, and mm-hmm. never you would you would never think you would ever see in your entire life. But there's a price to pay for that. There is literally a, a flip side to that. Uh, where some of the stuff is just incredible. You go, oh my gosh, that's awesome, great! I can't believe I saw it. And then mm-hmm. the next thing you know, you run into those other things where you're like. I don't ever want to see that again. Yeah. So, um, you, you know, it it takes work, 
uh, it takes work both personally and professionally to overcome and to understand, hey, these are these are normal things that I have to I'm going to have to deal with over a five year, 10 year, 15, 25 year career. Just mm-hmm. it is what it is. Yeah. Well, let's talk uh, about the families. I, I'm, it's not lost on me, obviously, that you know there's a first responder that suffered and then you know chose suicide as is his or her choice. But then you, you're left with families, some many of which I would assume that you know were dealing with issues for you know months, maybe even years, with their first responder family member going through this, and now they're gone. Yeah, now they have the emotional issues of, you know, their family members gone. Maybe they have financial issues because that that you know, income isn't coming in anymore. Um, yeah, and sometimes you even have the stigma. Yeah, there there is, you know, unfortunately, there's a stigma out there. It's like, okay, you know, he checked out, you know, she she couldn't hack it, whatever it is, you know, I'm not agreeing with it, but saying that that's out there. Yeah. What do you do? What does First Help do to really help the families, you know, the other victims in these situations? So uh, I want to I want to step back to something that you said a little bit earlier and um, you hit the nail on the head. You know, unfortunately, uh, these first responders, they think there's no other way to deal with things and um, and, and they commit suicide and and think their family is going to be taken care of and uh, things are going to be great for them. And they've they've done a great service for their uh, for their family or at least taking care of their family so they don't have to deal with this pain. Unfortunately, what we learned is that uh, that's just the beginning. Uh, we've seen families where uh, insurance gets cut the same mm-hmm. day. We've seen families where paychecks stop. Yep. We've seen uh, families where uh, their best friends who used to come over and, uh, you know, have dinner and have weekends and hang out. They no longer come over. They drop them. They're just gone. Mm-hmm. So uh, literally, uh, when we talk about um, that brotherhood, uh, the brotherhood is a largely uh, and not in every case but largely from what we hear it's gone mm-hmm. once that happens once they commit suicide it's gone gone forever yeah. so one of the things that we initially started with with the uh with the collection of data is we started collecting family information if the families wanted to give us information we would take it so uh, a number of things came from that what we do is uh, we have scholarships available for uh, children of first responders lost to suicide. Uh, We can help them uh, further their education stuff. Uh, We have Camp April, which is for the kids. It's a two or three day camp where they can come together, peer support. We have counselors there. They have a great time. They come in, they, uh, they get to talk with other individuals, other children in their same age groups, and they can they can bond. They can have somebody that they can talk with that understands exactly what they're going through. And then we also, every year, what we do is we do an annual dinner where we fly in certain amount of uh, the families and, and bring them together to just let them know, hey, look, you're not alone. Uh, you know, we have not forgotten about you. Uh, you are first and foremost in what we do. And and while we're there for that dinner event, we offer uh those those same services for spouses maybe other family members maybe moms and dads brothers Mm -hmm. and sisters 
those kinds of things. So uh, we take care of, uh, we put out a list every year at Christmas time so that we can make sure that some of these kids are getting some of the things that they need, maybe some of the things they want, right? Um, and we're always looking for ways to, to expound upon that. We're always looking for ways to better um, serve those family members, uh, just to let them know, hey, look, we're here for you. Uh, we understand it's a difficult time and we want them to be able to grow uh, into that new person that they're going to become and yeah. then go on to help other families. Because as you said, uh, I'd love for it to get down to zero, but in reality, I think uh, um, the, the thing we need to really look at is taking care of the families and getting mm -hmm. to those officers before they, uh, before they get to the point of no return where they say there's nothing else they can do. Sticking with the families for just a second, what do you and first help see? Do you, do you, I mean, you, going through that type of an event is going to change you for the rest of your life. I'm not going to, to sugarcoat that, but you, do you see, is, is there something that you see? Well, some families just deal with it, never bounce back quite how they should for, for years or decades. And some others, you know, seem to, you know, get to some semblance of, of normalcy after it. Do you see any factors that come in in terms of support or in terms of, of any other aspects that change that family dynamic where, where some seem to be able to, to go on and have some resiliency and, and others, unfortunately, kind of decompensate? Right. Yeah. And we have seen that. We have families that are with us now that um, uh, the spouses have remarried. Uh, they have, you know, they have families again and, and they're rebuilding. Does that mean they're going to forget about their loved ones that committed suicide? Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. um, as a matter of fact, the majority of them that I've been able to speak with, uh, their uh, significant others are very supportive of keeping that memory alive, especially mm -hmm. for the children, if there's children involved and that kind of thing. So uh, I, I would tell you that, uh, you know, this, what we do is one small part of a recovery yeah. process, right? Uh, some, some families can come to us and they get the, the help and the support and, and the knowledge that they need to be able to press on. Um, and some don't, some need to go beyond that, maybe to counseling services, mm -hmm. those kinds of things. Uh, I've seen it on both sides of the fence. You know, I can't, I, I'd be remiss if I tried to say, oh yeah, this is the one thing that's going right. There's no one thing. Um, stress is, uh, a stressor such as that, that is such a large critical incident. You may handle it, uh, you may handle it one way. Uh, I may handle it totally different. Um, it's going to be up to that individual. It's going to be up to that family nexus to, to come together and take care of each other. Um, and that's, you know, we offer an online support page for the family members to come mm -hmm. so they can talk, so they can get that support from others in that same situation. Um, but to say that there's one thing or another or other things that, that help one move on and, and the other one not, yeah, it's just, it's just time. Time is going to be the, the test of all. And, yeah. uh, and with that, um, getting the proper support and, and um, understanding that your life will never be the same as it was before. It's mm -hmm. just going to be a different type of life. And um, God love them for um, God love them for, for going through that because I would not wish that on anybody. So. Yeah. 
Agreed. Agreed. Well, there's no silver bullet in life. Um, you know, obviously when it when it comes to anybody, you know, for you know, the love of God, if anybody that is listening or watching this that you know does have an issue and is thinking of suicide, for you know, reach out to somebody, reach out to first help, reach out to one of our partners, which is um servant protect or, or anybody, you know, even a, a friend or even a stranger that you know is possibly can understand. Uh, you know, that's the first step. But yeah, is there, I mean, it, granted, there is, again, there is no silver bullet. Yeah, is there one thing that you know, if if we did X, you know, we could we could lower those numbers, you know, maybe being more aware of our loved one, you know, maybe uh, it's a program. I don't know what, because I am not an officer. I'm not a first responder. Is there one thing that we could be doing more that could affect those suicide numbers in a positive way. Oh yeah, I think uh, I think if um, and this is uh, this is Stephen Ken talking. So yeah. uh, you know, uh, to me, one of the biggest things that I see is preparing um, preparing the individuals going into the first responder profession mm -hmm. and preparing their families. Um, we're talking about people that have uh, that come into the profession that normally have their eight to five Monday through Friday jobs. Mm -hmm. weekends off holidays off uh you know the norm that i don't want to say normal but the the average lifestyle uh and we throw them into a um um a position of well you're not going to be home when the kids get up because you're going to be at work because you're working midnights because you're the rookie yeah um and oh you got a day off but you got to go to court or uh firefighters they may get two days off but Two of those days, uh, one of those days may be a training day where they have to go in and work mm -hmm. and uh, they have to cover shift on Christmas time. They have to cover shift on holidays. They have to miss dinners with the parents. So there's a lot that goes into the um, the lifestyle of being a first responder. And and granted, most people are, are resilient enough that they can mm -hmm. kind of ebb and flow. You know, it's just a fluid thing. But if we would uh, if we would take the time to prepare uh, the families and the officers and say and the first responders and go, look, these are some of the things, you know, you see the cool because all you see is what they show on cops. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? This is and they ah oh, man, I want to be a cop. That's gonna be a great job. I can yeah. chase cars and all this other stuff. I, I think I think if I ever had a inkling to be a cop, if I saw one episode of cops with a domestic violence situation, I would change my mind immediately. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know. Um, but the the other thing is they don't show you is, you know, you you chase a car at four o'clock in the morning, you're supposed to get off at six. Well, that's four or five hours of paper. Right. So you're going to be getting home late. And that's, you know, that may be a every week kind of thing. Who knows? So preparation for these guys and gals to understand, hey, look, this is what I'm, this is what you're getting ready to get into. And this is what your family's getting ready to get into because it just doesn't affect the one. It affects the whole mm -hmm. family. Um, and uh, I, I, I would say starting that at an academy level. And I think, I think you'd see a world of difference. Uh, in the way that these officers and families deal with those stressors. 
Yeah, I, I think that you are right on point, Steve. Um, it's a discussion that, uh, that I have with uh, a lot of our POCUA credit unions. Um, literally just had one yesterday because most, if not all, of our financial institutions are not just focused on the officer. They're focused on the whole family and offering products and services. And literally, I kid you not, yesterday, I was having a discussion with, with one of our CEOs, and we were talking about a lot of the police wives, and most of them you know, are really intelligent, knowledgeable, resilient, strong women, yep. uh, not to, you know, give up, you know, on the men or, you know, any other types of relationships, but a lot of these women are, are really strong, smart women, and they go into these relationships with eyes open of, okay, I'm going to have to deal with stuff. And almost all of them get thrown curveballs throughout so, those relationships. Like, wow, I didn't expect that. Wow, you know, I didn't know how to handle that. Yep. So, you know, I think that, you know, not just the, the first responder, I think that's a good start, but bringing in these families and saying, all right, yeah, this is what you're going to have to deal with. Here are some things that you need to look yes. for. And, and also when, you know, your, your spouse says, I'm good and walks away, that doesn't necessarily mean that he or she is good. <laughs> yep. That's a fact. And that's one of the things I learned early on after my shooting. Uh, I tried that. Um, yeah. uh, it caused a lot of anger issues, caused a, caused a lot of uh, isolation issues. Yeah. Uh, I like to isolate myself. And finally, I just got to the point where she was like, all right, what are you upset about? All right, you want to know what I'm upset about? This is what I'm upset about. Yeah. And ever since then, you know, it's been... Uh, it's almost like we've got our own uh, choir practice, if you will. We go out back when we get home from work and sit down and talk about the day and talk about, you know, and just get it out, get yeah. it out. Let, let the kid play Xbox for a minute. We'll have grown up talk and then everything's good to go. We can go in and have some dinner, do some homework. Everything's good. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think since you mentioned Xbox, we could get a royalty from uh, what is it? Microsoft that owns that, that we yeah. give them a plug. They may be. Yeah. Maybe. Handle, that, that'll work. Handle that. Will you after you talk to AT&T first night? <laughs> I'm, I'm on it. I'm yeah. on it. So, uh, but and one of the other things too, and this just happened. And I think it's, I think we'd be, uh, I think it would be a, uh, a disservice if we didn't talk about it. Mm -hmm. So we had discussed those financial uh, concerns, the financial mm -hmm. issues. Well, one of the things that uh, first help uh, was just involved with, um, that, that went to the house and it was actually passed was the, uh, house support bill for 2022 mm -hmm. for public safety officers. Mm -hmm. So what this bill has done, it has created a, a law, hopefully that'll get signed here shortly that, that, um, and it's only retroactive back to 2019, but mm -hmm. basically, uh, within certain parameters, officers who have, uh, committed suicide, um, they will be their families will be entitled to benefits mm -hmm. so uh again that goes right back to that change piece so there's so many intricacies about that i i don't want to i don't want to bog down sure. the discussion with it but but just know that those changes like i said top down bottom bottom up right so now we got federal involved with making these policies and, and changes to law to assist 
these families that lose so much. Yeah. And and we're definitely seeing uh, we're definitely seeing some good things coming from all the agencies around. So it's it's moving in the right direction. Yeah, that was that was good to see. Yeah, especially because as we've talked about, you know, probably a hundred times on this show, you know, the the families are are part of that blue family or the firefighter family, and and they carry all this with them too. Um, even though they they might not be in the burning building or on the chase, you know, they're they're part of that. Um, so I'm I'm really pleased to hear about the support. Um, to to wrap this up and to talk about support, you know, for those folks in our audience that want to either support First Help or could use um, the help from First Help, how sure. can they best find you? So the easiest way is to go to firsthelp.org. Uh, and that's mm-hmm. 1sthelp.org. On the site, you're going to find resources, just like we talked about earlier. We talked about uh, where you were talking about, hey, even talk to a stranger. That's what we have. We have those hotlines available. Uh, they have been vetted. So we feel mm-hmm. very, very comfortable with the group that we have on there right now. They do a yeah. wonderful job. So if you need help right now, go to that website, go to resources, pull that up and, and uh, give them a call and talk to someone. Um, of course, we're always looking for volunteers to come in and, and assist us with different things. We've got a whole list of volunteers now, so uh, I keep dishing them out wherever I can, trying to get yeah. them to do things, and uh, they, they've been working out awesome. We love them. Uh, and then, of course, uh, the bottom line is it is a nonprofit organization, mm-hmm. so we're always looking for that financial support, whether it be for uh, for di- for the dinner. As a matter of fact, I just sent out letters to a bunch of insurance agencies uh, last go. week. Yeah, <laughs> saying, "Hey, look, are you going to have steak, or is it just going to be like spaghetti and meatballs?" Oh no, no, it's it's the real deal. <laughs> it's the real deal. That's that's why I'm sending letters out. So, yeah. uh, but I send those letters out. Uh, I know Karen sends out information. We're always looking for support for. Um, our, our full-time crew that we've got and keeping that ship running mm-hmm. uh, and keeping it running effectively. And, and again, we're always looking to get bigger and better. So, um, you know, as, as we grow and as we continue to push forward, there's going to be more things offered. So, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Steve, you thank you for your service in law enforcement. Um, thank you for the service and what you're doing with First Help. Uh, and thank you for taking some time with us today. It was very insightful. I loved our conversation. Absolutely. Good time. Very good. Yep. I appreciate you having me on. So that worked out good. <laughs> it was all my pleasure. And especially thank you to all of you who have either watched or listen to this episode of Public Safety Talk Radio. And we'll be back with you next week with another great guest. Public Safety Talk Radio is produced by the POCUA. The POCUA is a consortium of financial institutions serving law enforcement as well as other first responders and public safety professionals. To learn more about our association and to find one of our credit needs or service providers near you, go to www.policecreditunions.com. And always remember, if you aren't working with one of our POCUA credit unions, you're just banking with an institution that just so happens to serve first responders. As a public safety professional, you and your family deserve better. Find a POCUA credit union today. Thank you.